0: This episode features dramatizations and discussions of rape, murder, kidnapping, and violence against women. Listener discretion is advised, especially for those under 13. Also something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining, and supplemented them with dramatizations and additional research into ancient Roman myths and traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Romulus and Remus raced out of Alba Longa and into the surrounding forest, but to their surprise, no one pursued them. The brothers walked together in silence. Neither twin was ready to talk about what happened in Amulius's palace, Romulus was still shaken by what he'd done. Killing a king wasn't just murder. It was a political act. He was sure there was a bounty on their heads already. Romulus assumed his twin was quiet out of the same fear. But Remus wasn't just reeling from the old king's murder. He was grappling with a decision. Should he tell his brother what Amulius had told him about their heritage? Or should he keep it to himself and spare his brother the burden of knowing? But in the end, his choice was inevitable. He couldn't keep secrets from his brother. They would deal with this discovery like they dealt with everything else. Together.
1: (sighs) Romulus, I have something to tell you. Something King Amulius told me before you
2: arrived. You see, he recognized me. Now isn't the time for jokes, Remus, since when of kings caroused with shepherds? Well,
1: not me exactly. He recognized our mother in me.
0: Romulus, he knew our mother. He knew all about us. Remus told his brother everything he learned from Amulius about their mother and about Mars, and about how they were the true heirs of Alba Longa, all the while, Romulus stood wide-eyed and silent. As Remus finished, he stared at his brother, stealing himself for his reaction.
2: My gods. Remus, you know what this means, don't you? Yes,
1: that we were conceived out of violence, and now we must live knowing that we're a product of generations of cruelty.
2: I'm sorry, Rom. Sorry? Remus, we are princes. No... Demigods! All our lives we've been herding sheep when we have the blood of Mars running through our veins!
0: Remus stood frozen, his mouth agape. Of all the ways he'd imagined his twin might react, excitement wasn't what he'd expected.
1: I don't think you're seeing this quite clearly. It's a lot to take in, I know.
2: Yes, it is a lot, because this means we are fated for something great! Great! We could do so much, Remus. We could found our own city. What in Jupiter's name are you talking about? You said it yourself. We are heirs to a throne. But we were taken from Elba Longa for a reason. Mars, our father, doesn't want us to rule any kingdom. He wants us to rule our own in his name. Rom, you sound like an absolute
1: lunatic. We are two shepherds. How are we supposed to start a city?
0: with what subjects hello hello there are you remus the argument ceased abruptly at the sound of the stranger's voice romulus and remus looked over to see a man in a disheveled soldier's uniform riding toward them they tried to act normal as he approached
2: <clears throat> who's asking
0: The soldier dismounted his horse and stood before them, his hand on the hilt of his sword. The twins shifted nervously. Had he come to arrest them? And if so, why had Alba Longa only sent one man? Unexpectedly, he
1: took a knee. My name is Sealer and you need not fear my blade. I have come to pledge fealty to the killers of Amulius.
0: Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we're concluding the myth of twins Romulus and Remus, the mythological founders of Rome. Last week, we began with the twins' grim origin story and ended as they learned the truth of their parentage. This week, we'll see how the knowledge of their divine birth propels the brothers to found Rome and sets their destinies in motion, toward glory and tragedy. Coming up, Romulus and Remus navigate their new destiny.
3: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be with a personalized plan and expert coaching anytime fitness can help make the gym less frightening get more for your gym membership than machines get personalized support anytime anywhere visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today terms conditions and restrictions apply see website for details
0: romulus and remus stared in shock at the stranger kneeling before them The soldier, a man named Sealer, had pledged fealty to them rather than arresting them for murdering his king, and they had no idea why.
1: Forgive me. I'm afraid in my excitement I've neglected a proper explanation. I am a former guard for Amulius. I served the wretched king for years and witnessed cruel things, terrible things. But today, I saw something glorious.
0: Sealer looked up to the twins, eyes shining in admiration.
1: Two courageous young men, outsiders, walked into his palace and slew the wicked man in one fell swoop.
2: I suppose that was rather courageous, wasn't it? Twas indeed.
1: And that's why I sought to find you. And I'm not alone. Others like me, renegades of Abalonga, are on their way to pledge their fealty. Wait. There are more of you? Oh, yes, many more."
0: Sealer was true to his word. Over the next few days, a dozen men joined them in the valley. There were other renegade guardsmen like Sealer, abused former subjects of Amulius, and even a handful of shepherds. The men made camp in the fields outside of the twins' modest straw hut, waiting excitedly for their young leaders to announce their plans. But the two brothers had very different visions for the future. Ever since the men from Alba Longa started showing up, Romulus had been different. He was prouder, more self-serious. He spent his days with the men laughing, regaling them with the story of how he'd killed Amulius, conveniently leaving out the fact that he'd never intended to murder the king in the first place. One evening, Remus found his brother holding court around a fire. The men cooked meat on a spit as Romulus told them the same old story.
2: I rushed into the throne room to save Remus and a look of pure terror came over Amulius's face. You see, he mistook me for my father,
0: Mars. Remus rolled his eyes. He hated the way Romulus kept using that word, father, as if the god who violated their mother deserved their respect.
2: You should have heard the way the old man screamed, squealed like a pig. (laughs) Ah, There's the damsel in distress himself. Remus, I've been looking all over for you.
1: Have you? I've been busy tending to my flock and yours.
2: Well, Margus here has taken care of at least one of them, so that's one less mouth to feed.
0: Romulus gestured to the fire. There, impaled on a spit above the flames, was the skinned carcass of a sheep. Remus's eyes flew to a pile of copper-colored wool heaped on the ground, and his heart sunk. He knew that coat well. You... you killed her. Killed who? Ophelia, my you!
1: She had just given birth, Romulus, you knew that! I suppose her lamb is going to be your breakfast.
0: Remus watched as a look of regret flashed across his twin's face. But just when he expected Romulus to apologize and rush to his side, he laughed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on now. Marcus just picked the fattest you he could find. No harm intended. Plus, lamb boy, you can't forget where we came from. We're wolves, remember? It's in our nature to kill a sheep or two.
0: Remus clenched his fists, fighting back the rage and hurt rising in his throat.
2: Speaking of which, I believe it's time we took an excursion. Who would like to see the place of our origin, the fabled cave of the she-wolf?
0: As the men traveled through the woods to the wolf cave, Remus trailed just behind Romulus, silent, He was devastated by what they'd done to Ophelia, but what scared him was how callously his brother had acted. The men approached a cave carved into a hillside, surrounded by lush forest. Romulus stopped at the mouth of the cave and fell silent. He turned to Remus.
2: Being here now, I I can't describe it, but I feel called to this place. I think our father wants us to build our city here, where it all began.
0: Romulus, I have to speak to you. Remus took his confused brother by the arm and led him into the cave.
1: This is all moving too fast. I'm worried you're not thinking it through. What's to think about? This is our destiny! Do you ever wonder that maybe it isn't our destiny? We were taken from this wolf's cave by a shepherd...
2: Shepherding is what we've known our whole lives. Are you hearing yourself? We can't go back to being shepherds. Sealer and the others have put their faith in us. Think of everything we'd be throwing away. Our future city.
1: I never wanted to rule a city, Rom. You know that. And I don't think you do either. I don't think you understand what you'll have to sacrifice for it.
2: I don't have to sacrifice anything. It's fate.
1: If you are so sure of that, then we'll let the gods decide. We'll look for auspices. If the gods show you favor, we were meant to rule. But if they favor me, we go home. We tend to our flocks and we live as brothers, not rulers.
0: That very day, Romulus and Remus each chose a hill from which to view the sky. There they stayed all day and night watching for birds. The twin who saw the most birds fly past would be determined to be in the gods favor. But as time went on, Romulus didn't see a single bird. As he gazed at the night sky, he began to doubt his fate. Then, suddenly, he was no longer alone.
1: Hello, Romulus.
0: Romulus sat up. A man had appeared before him, standing in the light of the full moon. He wore a soldier's garments and held a spear. Underneath the plumed helmet... Romulus saw a face that looked very much like his own.
1: I've waited 20 years, and here you are. It's like looking at my own reflection.
2: Father? I can't believe you're here! We've been alone all our lives! Why now? Because
1: for the first time, you need me. You're about to become a ruler, a king. I've come to offer my guidance.
2: I am honored! Please, go on. I'm listening.
1: You must prove to me that you have the strength to rule. You need to remove every obstacle that stands in the way of your destiny, no matter what it may be.
2: I have no obstacles. Our men have come to us, and we've chosen a site for our city. The only person who doesn't stand behind me is Remus.
1: Did I not say every obstacle?
0: At sunrise, Romulus woke with a start. He didn't remember falling asleep on the hill, and soon he doubted whether Mars had visited him at all. But then he saw it, a flock of twelve vultures flying through the sky overhead. Romulus held his head high as he made his way to the valley. Remus was already waiting for him at the cave with a worried expression on his face.
1: I've seen six vultures. And you?
0: Twelve!
2: It seems the gods have more in store for us than herding and shearing wool. Sealer, grab me a shovel! We're going to mark the walls of our city!
0: The men cheered and Romulus beamed, waving the shovel Sealer had handed him. But when he turned back to his brother, Romulus' smile fell. Remus was silent.
1: Romulus, I cannot join you. The auspices may have revealed your fate, but not mine. I'm afraid our paths diverge here. Remus,
2: please. I want you to rule with me. I need you to. I can't do this alone.
1: Then don't. Mars' blood might run through our veins, but you don't have to carry on his cruel legacy. We could just go home. Together. (sighs) Do you hear yourself? You can't hide from fate
2: among a bunch of sheep.
1: I'm not hiding from it. I'm fighting it. And you're falling for it. Mars is using you, Romulus. Using you for glory. For blood. I want no part of this.
2: You're just not strong enough.
1: You never were. This isn't about strength, brother. You think Mars rapes our mother and now you're God yourself? Listen to me. We're illegitimate. You are the bastard son of Mars and Rhea Sylvia. Ruling a city will never change that!
0: Remus's words pierced through Romulus like a hot knife. Before he realized what he was doing, he let out a primal roar and swung his arms with all his strength, bringing the shovel down on Remus's head again and again.
1: Romulus! Stop! Stop!
0: Stop! Sealer ran between the brothers, pulling the shovel from Romulus's hands, but it was too late. Remus lay crumpled on the ground, his white blonde curls soaked red with blood. Romulus knelt over him, gasping in disbelief. No! No, 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 no,
4: no, 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 no.
0: Remus, his twin, was dead and Rome had received its first sacrifice Coming up, Romulus's reign begins They've terrorized the innocent for centuries, wreaked havoc on our greatest heroes, and struck fear into those who tell their stories. Travel deeper into the legendary mythology behind some of the world's most famous creatures in the Spotify original from ParCast, Mythical Monsters dragons, giants, demons. Every Monday, come along with me on a journey to uncover the beasts of the past and ask what they really represent to mankind. From the unresting undead known as zombies and the venomous mane of Greek mythology's Medusa to the destructive tendencies and tentacles of the Kraken. With just one listen, you'll discover that these mythical monsters aren't merely adversaries from folklore but rather a reflection of the darkest despairs man once had. Follow Mythical Monsters free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be.
0: The day that Romulus killed his twin brother in a fit of rage, he did not speak to anyone. He screamed for his followers to go, and so they did, leaving him alone with his brother's corpse at the base of the hill. He stayed there for hours. When dusk fell, Romulus carried Remus into the she-wolf's old cave and laid him to rest. There he held vigil for the night and the next day, and the day after. And as he sat next to his dead twin in their first home, Romulus felt his grief change shape. He no longer felt remorse. He had already done the worst thing he could do, and now he felt nothing but a driving need to move forward. When he emerged from the cave to meet his men, Romulus did not mention his twin brother, Remus's name was never to be uttered. From that point forward, Romulus continued his life as if he came into the world alone. They built the walls of the city on the ground where Remus's blood was spilled. Romulus named the city after himself and called it Rome. They were soon joined by other men who heard of the new kingdom rising in the wilderness. They were a motley crew, renegades and runaway slaves, exiles, fugitives, and outcasts. Every man willing to lend a hand to Rome's construction was welcome there. But while the city's population was growing, there was just one problem.
1: Good morning, Romulus.
2: I'm a bit busy. If you didn't notice.
1: Apologies, my king. I don't mean to interrupt your training. I suppose you'll need it when the mutiny comes.
2: You have my attention, Sealer.
1: There have been some... complaints among your citizens.
2: About what? They have land, they have freedom. What more do they want?
1: Women. Hmm.
2: That seems... difficult. I suppose there's no way around it? No. You may
1: rule a city but until there are women in your kingdom, you are no king. You're a leader of a gang of criminals and outcasts, a citizenry that won't last a generation.
2: Fine. So how does a new nation go about obtaining women?
1: (laughs) My young king, you must court them.
0: On Sealer's advice, Romulus sent messengers to the neighboring cities suggesting alliances through marriage between their women and Rome's men, but these attempts failed miserably.
2: What do you mean they turned us down? Politely put,
1: they declined our offer. Honestly put, they laughed in our faces.
2: I don't understand. We're a new nation, yes, but one with great promise. Are we not strong, courageous men? I'm the son of a god, after all.
1: That may be true, but I'm afraid our citizens have a less than savory reputation. They're deserters and horse thieves. Effective on the battlefield, yes, but
2: hardly son-in-law material. Right. Thieves. Tell me, Sealer, what do we do when we need more sheep? Steal them? And cattle? We steal those, too. But, Romulus... We need sheep for our city, just as we need horses and cows. And now you're telling me we need women. So why not do what we always do? Take them.
1: My king, women aren't cattle. You can't just round them up and put them on a wagon.
2: Maybe not, but we certainly can't stand around waiting for them to wander into Rome either. We have to lure them here.
0: The Festival of Consualia was approaching a celebration in honor of Consus, the god of the harvest, and Romulus devised a plan. They would throw a festival so lavish that their pompous neighbors wouldn't dream of turning down an invitation. Then, when the time was right, they'd drag off the women. Word that Rome was preparing a grand celebration quickly spread— So when Romulus extended his invitation to the Sabines, the inhabitants of one of the larger neighboring kingdoms, the people suspected nothing. In fact, they attended in droves. The guests were stunned by the majesty of the festival. The fledgling city's primitive buildings were transformed, complete with an arena for games and marble altars for sacrificial fires. Rome had far surpassed their expectations.
2: Greetings, friends! Welcome to Rome! I can't tell you how delighted we are to open our gates to our neighbors, the noble Sabines. I hope you find us to be gracious hosts. While you are our guests, we insist you drink and eat to your heart's content. Now, let the festivities begin!
0: Romulus watched from high in the arena as the celebration carried on, Chariot races thundered down the track, and musicians played into the night. Wine flowed freely until the Sabines were good and drunk, just as Romulus intended. It was time. Romulus scanned the arena and spotted Sealer on the far site. The soldier met his gaze and gave a discreet nod. Romulus removed his cloak. At Romulus's signal, Sealer motioned to a nearby tower. Then came the bells. An urgent clanging ran out across Rome. The festival erupted in chaos. Roman cavalry rode into the arena, separating the Sabine men from the women, herding them like cattle. Soldiers on foot followed suit, tearing screaming girls from their families to be carried away on horseback. And all the while, Romulus looked out on the mayhem he had caused. He had expected to feel nothing, maybe pride, but as he watched the scene play out before him, he thought about something he hadn't anticipated – his mother. Romulus never dwelled on what had happened to Rhea Sylvia, but he couldn't help but think about his mother's terror as she was raped by Mars all those years ago. That fear seemed to echo in the screams of the Sabine women. For the first time in years, Romulus felt the sharp pang of regret. Romulus watched as one of his soldiers yanked a Sabine woman from her family. The woman fought fiercely, screaming and kicking at her captor before pulling his sword from its hilt. But the woman didn’t have time to use the weapon. The soldier tackled her to the ground, knocking the sword from her grip and struck her hard across the face. Fury rose in Romulus’s chest.
2: Stop! Stop at once!
0: But the soldier didn't hear his king over the mania of the raid and kept striking. Romulus had seen enough. He reached for a bow and sent an arrow through the man's heart. Then he descended the steps to the base of the arena. His soldiers had done well. Scores of Sabine women stood restrained by their captors. The last of the drunken Sabine men were being run out of Rome by the cavalry. As he approached their new captives, Romulus spotted the fierce Sabine who he'd saved with his arrow. Her face was bruised, her nose broken, but somehow she held an air of noble elegance. She spat at Romulus's feet.
2: <sighs> Is that how you greet your new king?
0: The Sabine glared at him, her eyes pure fire. Romulus turned to the crowd.
2: I do apologize for the rather untraditional introduction. You can blame this madness on the pride of your fathers. If they'd simply agreed to our proposals, perhaps we'd be dining and dancing. But alas, here we are.
0: Romulus scanned the crowd, taking in the terrified women's faces, and decided to change his approach.
2: I know my men may appear vicious, but I promise they mean you no harm. In fact, they wish nothing more than to make you their wives. You are to be Romans now, the mothers of Rome's first children. Here, your children will be born free.
4: And tell us, great king... How do these freedoms apply to Rome's women? Will our daughters have the privileges of their brothers? Or will you treat them like livestock fit only for breeding?
2: Time will tell. Perhaps if you accept your role gracefully, yes. You can be slaves. Or one day, perhaps you can be a queen.
0: Romulus looked intently at the fierce Sabine women.
2: But that choice is ultimately yours.
0: Coming up, Romulus reaps the bloody consequences of his new kingdom. Now back to the story. After the abduction of the Sabines, Rome only grew stronger. The Sabine women bore the first generation of true Romans. With a thriving populace, Romulus continued his reign not as a ruler of criminals and miscreants, but a true king of a prosperous city-state. And as all kings did, Romulus needed a queen. Romulus already knew who he wanted for this role, but he also knew she wouldn't be easily persuaded.
2: Good evening. I thought you might want some company in your cell.
4: No, thank you. I prefer to spend my evenings alone, in contemplation. Is that so?
2: And what is it that you contemplate?
4: Oh, typical things. The weather, fate, the joy I'll feel when my people storm the gates of Rome and put your head on a spike.
2: (laughs) You have quite an active imagination, don't you? May I ask your name? I'd like to know more about you, Hercilia. You see, I believe if we got to know each other, you may not want my head on a spike as much as you think you do.
0: Through his prison visits, Romulus learned a great deal about Hercilia. She was the daughter of Titus Tatius, the king of the Sabines. Her royal upbringing became clear through their discussions of politics and economics, military tactics, and philosophy. Romulus found Hercilia was far more educated in any of these subjects than he was, with his humble shepherd's background. He realized she could be valuable not just as his queen, but as his counsel. So as Hercilia grew more and more comfortable with Romulus, he made a proposition, one that he believed she wouldn't be able to refuse.
2: When we first met, You may remember you asked me about the rights of women in Rome, mothers and daughters.
4: How could I forget the day you abducted my people?
2: I've been thinking about what you said. I'd like to make changes, to give our women more freedoms. But I want you to help me.
4: Sounds like a Roman trap if I've ever heard one. What's the catch?
2: All you have to do is be my bride.
4: I don't know what to say. I'm not a Roman. Think about it, Hercilia. And while you
2: do, contemplate this. You could languish in this cell in some foolish act of resistance and die as my prisoner. Or you could make real changes and live as my queen. It's up to you.
0: With that, Romulus got to his feet and left Hercilia's cell. Hercilia mulled over her decision, She knew there was no way around it. Romulus was right. She'd be a fool not to take the opportunity. And though she despised the Romans, she couldn't help but feel something toward Romulus. Not love, no, but respect, a mutual understanding. And perhaps that was good enough. In the year following their marriage, Persilia slowly became accustomed to her new life with Romulus. To the public, they were king and queen, but behind closed doors, they were king and council. They spent hours poring over maps and ledgers, planning. They devised a senatorial political system and drafted an entire body of laws. The city-state flourished under Hercilia's counsel, but to the outside world, Rome's groundbreaking progress came from Romulus alone. And no matter how many times Hercilia brought it up, Romulus kept shirking his promise. On Perilia, the festival commemorating Rome's founding, every man, woman, and child was celebrating, Everyone except the Queen of Rome. Hercilia slipped away and retreated to the palace's roof garden. There she watched the festivities below. Her time alone was cut short when Sealer appeared. His hair had grayed during his many years of service to Romulus, but his mind remained sharp.
1: My queen, Romulus has been looking for you.
0: Oh, has he?
1: Yes, he's describing his taxation plan with the Senate now. And it seems he's forgotten the details. He's asked for you to return immediately.
4: Oh, Sealer. What would I have to do with such an important piece of legislation?
1: I think we both understand the contributions you've made
0: to that plan and to Rome. Hercilia turned her gaze from the streets below and looked inquisitively at Sealer.
1: It doesn't strike me as coincidence that our city has progressed so rapidly after you and Romulus married. Before Rome had a queen, it was
0: hardly a city at all. Hercilia's heart beat faster, but before she could reply, a flaming arrow flew past her head and landed in a fig tree, setting it ablaze. Sealer pulled Hercilia out of the way, just avoiding the fire. Then they heard it. The deep echo of the battle horn rang through the walled city. Hercilia ran to the roof's edge and looked to their front gates, and there she saw the flags of her homeland. The Sabines had finally come to take them back. From the rooftop garden, Hercilia watched Romulus as he led his men into the fray. She looked on in horror as her husband cut down every Sabine in his path, their cries echoing from the battlefield. Her people, her real people, were being murdered right in front of her eyes. A strange feeling began to build in her chest. It burned like rage, but she felt oddly focused. She knew what she had to do. Her cilia raced past Sealer and flew down the stairs. Hercilia, Hercilia, where are you going? But she paid him no mind. She ran as fast as she could through the palace halls and down the chaotic streets of Rome, dodging, trampling horses. Finally, she made it past the city gates and out into the battlefield. Amidst the fray, she spotted Romulus and her father, King Titus, charging toward one another on horseback. Hercilia rushed between them and threw out her arms. Stop! At the sight of his wife standing before his horse, Romulus pulled up on his reins.
2: (laughs) Hercilia, what are you doing?
4: All of you, stop!
0: At Hercilia's scream, the skirmish slowed, and the sounds of battle hushed. All eyes were on the Queen of Rome.
4: Look around! You are nothing but dogs tearing each other apart. And for what?
0: Hercilia's eyes swept the field, waiting for any man who dared answer.
4: Listen here. Women are not land to be won. We are your people, your daughters, your sisters, your wives. The first Roman children have Sabine blood in their veins. You are spilling your own blood like a pack of fools, creating widows and orphans of your own kin.
0: Romulus looked across Hercilia to her father, Titus Tatius, on his horse. The old man's gaze was lowered in shame.
4: We will stop this bloodshed at once. I implore both kingdoms to sign a treaty. If your women are why you fight, then ensure their happiness with peace and with the freedoms of true citizens. The only way to ensure no man will bleed for our ownership is to make us our own masters. If you are for peace, put down your arms.
0: Romulus smirked, clever girl. Hercilia had found a way to get what she wanted and she hadn't even asked his permission. There was no way he could stand in her way now. Romulus sheathed his sword. King Titus followed. After Hercilia's intervention, a treaty was negotiated between the two kingdoms. They would live as neighbors and trade freely. And due to Hercilia's impassioned words, Roman women were promised privileges as citizens they never had before. But it didn't take long before Hercilia realized that regardless of the treaty, these so-called privileges were a far cry from true freedom.
4: Robulus! Yes, my queen? Where are the rights you promised us? And what are these rubbish laws you've written in their place? Exempt from household chores except weaving and spinning? No man should give her a lecherous look? Did I throw myself in the middle of battle for nothing?
2: Hercilia, I admire your spirit, I truly do, but I'm surprised at your naivety. Did you believe I was going to grant our women full rights of citizenship because of one passionate speech? After all, we agreed to no specific terms.
4: I agreed to be your queen on a condition, a promise.
2: Again, no specific terms. Together we have made great changes for Rome for the better, and now some of those changes include its women. You should be happy, Hercilia. I've given you a privilege. It would be a shame to have to take it away.
0: Romulus began to consult Hercilia less and less until she was forced to hear about her husband's actions by eavesdropping on Senate meetings. There, she learned he was enforcing corrupt policies that erased years of their planning and waging battles simply to expand their borders, Romulus was no longer the forward-thinking leader Hercilia had made him. He had become a tyrant. And soon the Roman Senate devised a plan to save Rome from her own creator.
4: Enter.
1: Forgive me, my queen. I know it's late.
4: Sealer? The Senate adjourned hours ago. What are you doing here?
1: I haven't come in an official capacity. Hercilia, I know you could see that Rome is suffering, and I know you care about its future more than you may say, because you are the one who has penned that future.
4: I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: There's no need to keep up appearances with me. I am no more a loyalist to Romulus than you are. When I was a younger man, I served his great uncle, King Amulius. I thought serving Romulus would be different, but I know what it feels like to be trapped in service to a tyrant. That's why I'm here. Something needs to be done.
0: Tell me what you need. A tempest had blown into Rome that morning. Black clouds plunged the city in darkness and pouring rain cleared citizens from the streets. And yet, Romulus walked to the forum to meet Sealer. He had told Romulus he had urgent news to discuss, and Romulus didn't take such words from his older supporter lightly. But when Romulus entered the forum, Sealer was nowhere to be found.
2: Hello? Sealer, where are you?
0: Instead, as Romulus wandered through the gardens, he saw a single cloaked figure standing up ahead in the rain. Sealer? The figure didn't answer, but only walked closer. Romulus backed up, alarmed. But as he did, he saw hooded figures pressing in on him from every direction.
2: Hello? Guards! Guards!
0: Within moments, the attackers surrounded him. He felt a sharp pain in his back. Ah! Romulus stumbled away, only to be stabbed from the other side, then again and again. Unable to escape, he threw himself around the circle as each member stabbed the king one by one.
2: Ah! Please! Ugh! Someone help me!
0: No one heard Romulus's cries through the sounds of the storm. Finally, as he was stabbed in the belly, the dagger stayed put. He looked up into the hood of the figure holding the blade and recognized the face of his assassin.
2: Hercilia,
0: why? Shh. Hercilia hushed her husband, twisting the knife deeper into his stomach, Romulus fell to his knees and slowly sank to the ground. There he lay, eyes cast to the heavens. As he took his last gasping breaths, Romulus wondered if his father would appear to him then. But when he closed his eyes, it wasn't Mars he saw, but a face that he had tried everything to forget.
1: Welcome back, Rom. I've missed you.
0: The young Remus smiled and extended a hand to his twin. According to the ancient Roman poet Ovid, Romulus disappeared during a tempest when he was carried off by Mars to the heavens. As he ascended, he reportedly became Quirinus and was thus deified as the spirit of Rome. However, there is a darker take on this divine ending. Roman historian Livy writes that some believe Romulus's tyranny drove his senate to assassinate him, and when the Roman people couldn't find their king, the senate fabricated the tale of his heavenly ascension. Ultimately, it was easier to deify Romulus in death than to tell the Romans the truth about their beloved ruler. Regardless of the truth, there's something prescient in the contrast of these different accounts. The way Romulus's death is handled echoes the way we glorify our own cultural behemoths, despite their darker sides. In the traditional tellings of Romulus and Remus, we see this at every stage of their story. The rape and death of Rhea Silvia are presented as nothing but necessary steps in the larger, more important tale about the founding of Rome. And much of the same can be said of Remus' murder and the rape of the Sabines. Instead, every step forward toward Romulus' destiny is a triumph, no matter who suffered. A show of his strength, leadership, and divine fate. After all, when you're a demigod, you abide by different moral standards than mere mortals. Although the tale of Romulus and Remus was originally intended as a myth of Roman patriotism and pride, it may have more value today as a lesson on framing. Some of the greatest cultural heroes are merely a product of who writes their history, and sometimes their glory conceals an ugly truth worth knowing." Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology, we'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Mythology was written by Alex Garland, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher. Fact-checking by Adriana Romero and research by Adriana Gomez and Mickey Taylor. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, Joe Hernandez, and Laura Faye Smith. I'm Vanessa Richardson.